Radio. Witnessing to Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. A talk by Archbishop Julian Porteous at the Immaculata Mission School 2016, held at the Lee Scout Centre in Hobart, Tasmania. Firstly, how many people here are from Tasmania? Great. How many people are not from Tasmania, from the rest of the world? Great. Can I say welcome to all those who've come to this beautiful place, Tasmania, to here just outside Hobart. It's a great joy for me to have you here, all of you here, Tasmanians included, <laughs> to come together. Um, I've really been looking forward to this event for some time, the Mission School coming to Tasmania, coming to close to Hobart, it fills my heart with great joy and it's a great joy too to be amongst you, to meet you and be talking to you as I've done very briefly so far <clears throat> over the evening meal, got to try to get around and say hello to a few people. It's really wonderful to, uh, to have you here. So thank you all very much for coming. I'm very grateful myself and I feel that this week here is very significant for the future of things going to happen in the church here in Tasmania. But I know you'll take what you've experienced here back to wherever you come from, from Sydney, from Brisbane, from Melbourne, other places. You'll take back a grace that you've received here during this mission school. So firstly, um, thank you again very much for being part of this mission school. Um, <clears throat> I've been asked um, tonight to... Um, to speak about a word which I notice is in the middle of the tent here, witness. So I'm going to talk a bit about witness. It was, it was what Mother told me to talk about. <laughs> and I'm an obedient Archbishop. <laughs> I do what I'm told. <laughs> There's a text um, of Scripture that uh, certainly has been a text now that uh, resonates very deeply in my own heart and it's a text I like to have really at the, as a foundation for what I'm going to uh, speak to you about this evening. Uh, that text um, has come to have very significance, great significance for particularly young people but also more generally for the church here in Australia. It's the text that was chosen by Pope Benedict as the theme text for the World Youth Day, which was held in Sydney in 2008. And I was um, quite involved with that in, in a variety of ways. And the text, I know when it was first announced that, that this was to be the text, was something that very much excited me and I felt it was uh, very, very appropriate for the church in Australia for the church at that moment to 2008. Don't, and don't say what it is. How many know the text that I'm speaking about? Okay, a few. Yeah, good, good. Okay. So the rest of you are curious. Now, what was that text? What was that text? It comes from the opening chapter, and I think this is important, the opening chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. The text is, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and then you will be my witnesses, not only in Jerusalem, but throughout Judea and Samaria and indeed to the ends of the earth. Now, when were those words actually spoken? I just try to think. Now, when did they're obviously the words of the Lord, but they're words addressed to the apostles. Yes. Can you picture when? When the Lord said those words? They were said between that period of the Lord's resurrection and his ascension. And indeed, they're probably words which were 
fairly closely associated with the ascension of the Lord. So he, he said these words to the disciples with his consciousness that shortly he would formally, if you like, ascend to his Father in heaven. So they're part of those words, concluding words, if you like, that the Lord gave to his disciples. The words we most often uh, think of were the words which were said at the ascension, particularly the great command, the great commission. Go out to all the world, proclaim the gospel to all creatures, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all I've commanded you. We, we often think of those words of the Lord, which are recorded by a number of the evangelists uh, at the at the actual time of the ascension. But these words were given just a little before the ascension. In a way, um, as you know, the Acts of the Apostles were written by St. Luke, who also, of course, wrote the Gospel. So in one sense... St. Luke's work is a two-volume piece. There's two volumes. The first volume is the Gospel. The second volume are the Acts of the Apostles. And if you look at the end of the Gospel of St. Luke and the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles, there's a period of transition. And there are things that are said at the end of the Gospel which, uh, which also relates really to the Acts of the Apostles, just as what's said at the Acts of the Apostles links back to the uh, to the gospel, the gospel concludes with the ascension of the Lord, and um, and so we have a number of sayings of the Lord which uh, which are given, if you like, at the same time. But some of them are placed in the Acts of the Apostles, and some are placed in the Gospel. So there, they, there's this little transitional period um, between uh, between the two works of Saint Paul, of Saint Peter, of Saint Luke. Got it right, Luke. Um, so if you go to, for instance, the end of the, of the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 24, um, verse 49, uh, the Lord says there to the disciples, and now I am sending down to you what the Father has promised. So again, these are words said before the ascension, but the Lord also is speaking about what's going to happen after the ascension. And these words were found, as I said, in the Gospel not in the Acts of the Apostles. And it's there that he, and then he gives this, them this particular instruction. Stay in the city then until you are clothed with power from on high. So if you like, the, the ascension is, is about to happen and the Lord is giving these instructions to say that, that look, I'm going to send down to you what the Father has promised. And he says, so, so I want you to stay in the city then until this happens, until you are clothed with power from on high. Because the whole context of this is the fact of the great commission that the Lord will give to his disciples. He tells them that they are to go out to the ends of the earth and to be witnesses to him, witnesses to the gospel. Now, there's one thing that I really like about this this particular passage, and it has um, particular significance uh, for me, is because the Lord keeps talking about the ends of the earth, and Tasmania is one of the ends of the earth. <laughs> like next stop is Antarctica, and apart from a few scientists, there are only there are only really a whole lot of penguins down there. So. So when the Lord keeps talking about the ends of the earth, I say, yes, <laughs> Tasmania. He didn't tell the disciples to go to Tasmania because they wouldn't know where it was. But the message was to go to the ends of the earth. But he says, you know, you're going to be my witnesses and you'll take the gospel to the ends of the earth. But he says, but don't do it until you are clothed with power from on high. And of course, those words were fulfilled when the power of the Holy Spirit came down upon the disciples at Pentecost. 
Now, <clears throat> tonight, in obedience to what I've been told to speak about by Mother Mary Therese, I want to look at this question of witness. You see, in the in the passage from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you will be my witnesses, and then you will be my witnesses. So let's look at this word witness, because obviously it's an important word if the Lord chooses this word to say what the task of the apostles is to be. What is a witness? You'll be my witnesses. What does that mean? How, if you think right now, how can I be a witness? And what am I, what am I a witness to? What does it mean to be a witness? Well, I'm trying to think. So the Lord says, you be my witnesses. Now, what does that mean? How do I go about doing this? So firstly, let's look at this word, witness. What is a witness? See, a witness is someone who is able to give a first-hand account of something that they have seen or heard or experienced. A witness is someone who is able to give a first-hand account of what they've seen or heard or experienced. So we, we talk about that. We talk about the idea of a witness of a, to an accident, you know. Were there any an accident took place? Were there any witnesses? And the witnesses were the people who were there who saw what actually happened. And then were able to say, yeah, look, the car went on this side of the road or whatever. You know, was able to, they were able to actually explain what happened because they saw it. They were able to witness the events that led to the accident. We also talk about a witness, don't we, as somebody who is asked to testify in a court. So you, we, we have a court case and you have various witnesses who come forward and they are asked to give their accounts of what had happened. So they're there to, to, to say to the judge, to the jury, this is what I saw, this is what I experienced, this is, this is what actually happened. So, so that's what a witness is. So a witness has to be a person, firstly, who actually sees what's happening. It's not second-hand. So a witness is not somebody said, you don't get a witness who can say, well, I heard someone said that this is what happened. So what's the problem with that? Because that person's getting an interpretation from another person. They may not quite get it correctly because they weren't actually there. They didn't actually see what happened. So... A witness can't be second-hand. A witness needs to be someone who is actually able to speak from personal experience. So what did Jesus want his disciples to witness to? Well, clearly, he wanted them to witness to what they saw, what they heard, what they experienced of Jesus himself. If you like, he wanted these disciples to talk to people about not so much, if you like, what he said in terms of giving explanations that there was a part to that, but essentially to be a witness and say, this is what I experienced, this is what happened, this is what I saw, this is what Jesus said and did. These were the things that actually happened around his life. So a witness is one, a witness to Jesus is one who has that direct and immediate experience of Jesus and is able to tell others about what they themselves saw. So what did they see? I'd like to think for a moment. So Jesus is saying to the disciples, now you're to be my witnesses. You're to go and speak to people about what you experienced. So what did the 
disciples experience? Well, clearly, they experience all the things associated with those three or so years of the public ministry of Jesus from the time when they were called to be disciples and went around with him for those three years or so and were seeing all the things that happened. So they were able to be witnesses to the miracles that Jesus worked. And so we have so many stories in the Gospels now of the, the miracles that Jesus worked because they were so extraordinary. Clearly they were they're able to give witness to the public ministry of Jesus, what he did, what he said, how his ministry went. And so they're able to give the account of the different things that Jesus did during, during the course of his public ministry. They're also able to give witness to their own immediate experience of who Jesus was in himself. Just firstly, his character, the sort of person he was, the way they saw him act, the things that he did that reflected aspects of his character, what sort of man Jesus was. So they would be able to witness not only the things he did, but also to who he was in himself. But they'd also be aware they would need to be witnessing, that need to give witness to what actually happened at the end of Jesus' short life and very short time of public ministry because that was so significant. The death of the Lord on the cross, the events surrounding it, and of course the fact that they had witnessed him after his resurrection. They'd witnessed the risen Lord. So obviously that would be an essential part of what they would want to, uh, to, be, to be witnessing to. Lord's death and his resurrection. So when they're giving this witness, they're not just giving a biography or even an account of events, but they want to say, this man, Jesus of Nazareth, in his ministry, and in his death and resurrection, did a profound thing. And they were witness to the fact that say, this is not just a good man who had a tragic end to a, sh a short life. They say, now this man is the Son of God. This man, Jesus of Nazareth, was the fulfillment of all the prophecies of the Old Testament. This man, Jesus of Nazareth, through his death and resurrection, affected a fundamental change in the relationship between God and humanity and in his death and resurrection, released the merciful, saving power of God to be effective in human lives. So this witness was a witness to what they had experienced of Jesus. They, they knew that there was a depth and a meaning and significance to the life of Jesus. But this is what they wanted to give witness to. Because they said, this was my experience. This is what I've come to know. This is what I've come to understand. This is the great revelation, the epiphany of God acting in this way in Jesus of Nazareth. And they understood. As we're told in the Gospels, it took them a while to grasp it, a while to understand it. They didn't quite be able to get the whole thing together immediately after, even immediately after the resurrection. Jesus to the said to the um, people on the road to Emmaus, he explained the scriptures, he explained the meaning to his life, death and resurrection. And the disciples gradually came to grasp this. And so what they were witnessing to was their understanding of the significance of what Jesus had done, particularly in his death and resurrection.
And what they would give witness to here again was something extraordinary and profound. And it's probably captured best by, if you like, the witness of St. John in his Gospel, in a verse we know very, very well. God loved the world so much that he sent his own son not to condemn the world, but so through him the world might be saved. So when they looked at the life of Jesus, this is what they saw. It wasn't just the account of events. This happened and this happened and this happened. Now they realised the full import the full meaning and significance of what Jesus had done. And this was what they were called to witness to. So as I said, a witness is one who gives an account of their experience. Now, in a way, those disciples were privileged in the sense that they did actually physically witness these things. They had gone through a journey which was a journey of faith, a journey in their own relationship with Christ, a journey in which of, of understanding, of coming to, to, to realise the meaning and significance of what was happening in and through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. A witness is different to a teacher. A teacher is one who can, at the basic level, impart information. So a teacher, in a way, could um, get hold of a book, a textbook, get hold of a syllabus, get hold of things that they are to impart to students, and they can impart that information to the students. There doesn't have to be any personal involvement in that. They can just do that as, um, as a professional task to be done, as, a, as imparting information that they're required to impart to students. And to a certain extent, a teacher does have to rely upon their own training and preparation and so on. So they have to get a degree from university and get the extra background information in order to, to present uh, the course or the teachings that they're required. So a teacher is one who explains things. But a witness is one who speaks not so much transmitting knowledge from the mind, but a witness is one who shares the impact of their experience on their heart and on their soul. So if you like, a teacher can give forth information. A witness is one who speaks from the heart. This is what I have experienced. This is what I have come to know. This is how Jesus of Nazareth has impacted my life. And so there is a, a difference between a teacher and a witness. And one of the good things is that it means that a, a witness doesn't have to so much give a lesson or give a formal presentation. And a witness doesn't necessarily have to have a whole lot of background information, have completed a, uh, a course at university or, um, or read all these books and have all this in-depth understanding of the subject matter at hand. A witness can just speak directly from the way that, in this case, the person of Jesus Christ has impacted and change their life. So they don't you don't need a theology degree to be a witness. All you have to be to be a witness is to know Jesus and be able to identify how Jesus has changed your life, how Jesus has impacted upon your life. So a witness doesn't have to be an expert. All the witness has to say is, look, this is what I have come to know. This is what has happened to me 
as a result of my own journey of discovering Jesus Christ. So let's go back now to the Acts of the Apostles. You are to be my witnesses. Now the good thing about this is, every one of us can be a witness. It's helpful to have information, to study the scriptures, to attend several mission schools, because <laughs> that'll give you extra information, understanding and background and so on. Yes, that's good. But you don't need that. What you do need to do is be able to look inside your own heart and identify what has happened to you as you have come to know Jesus Christ. And particularly to come to know and identify within yourself how, as your own faith has grown, the grace of God has been at work in you and has changed you, changed your attitudes, changed your vision of life, changed the state of your being from being perhaps miserable and cranky and difficult to get along with to being now full of joy and happiness and so on. You know, in other words, what I do in being a witness is I take the time to say, what has actually happened to me as a result of my own growth in faith, of my own coming to know Jesus Christ? What, is, what has happened to me? How has that affected me? How has that changed me? And identifying those things, that's what I give witness to. And that's all the, that's all the Lord asked of his disciples to do. You go out and tell people about me. Yes, you can tell them about things they did and things they said and, and so on. But be a witness to say, this is what my experience of Jesus Christ has had upon my own life, has had upon the state of my soul. This is how I have been changed. And this is how I know I'm a far better person. This is how I know I now have a new hope and vision and purpose to my life. This is how I know the grace of God has touched me, blessed me, changed me, enriched me, inspired me. That's what we give witness to. St. John says at the beginning of his letter, uh, his first letter, he says, something which has existed since the beginning that we have heard that we have seen with our own eyes, that we have watched and touched with our hands, the word who is life. This is our subject. It's a lovely passage when you think about it. It's like St. John is about to, to, to um, write this, this letter to people. And he said, I want to tell you about this person, Jesus of Nazareth, who I've met, I've been with for three years. I've... I've listened to him. I've sat there in the crowds as he spoke to the crowds. I've been there and had that close relationship with him. And this is what I want to tell you about. I want to tell you about this person who has so changed my life. I don't want to tell you about this because this has had such a profound impact on me that I want you to also have the chance of having the same wonderful experience that I've had. So that you get that sense of St. John. He just wants people to know what he has come to know as a result of his own relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, we, we don't have the opportunity that St. John had of actually physically being in the presence of Jesus for three years or so going around in the crowds and seeing the miracles and, and listening to Jesus talk and, and seeing how he reacts to things and, and, and all the sorts of aspects to his character that you get when you're with somebody for some period of time. We don't have that, uh, haven't had that opportunity that St. John had himself, but we have had the opportunity of knowing Jesus Christ. Now we've learned about him. We've read passages in the Gospels. We know a lot of the things surrounding his life, teachings that he gave. And we have a sense of his character. 
sort of person that he was. So we, we can put together a picture in our minds pretty readily, pretty easily about who Jesus is. And each one of us can form in our, our minds an impression of what, of who Jesus was, sort of person he was. But there's something far more important than that. That's, that's very important, of course. What is important is the way that Jesus changed your life. How he has, in fact, touched your life. How he has, in fact, changed your life. How he has, in fact, released in you joy or hope or love or the ability to forgive or a whole new sense of understanding of who I am, what my destiny is and how I can live life. So what we can do is, is look more deeply to see the impact that Jesus has had on my life. If you like to say, this is, this is who I am now. And I could go back whenever I can, perhaps to a time when I, I wasn't so closely united with Jesus. And I can perhaps see more clearly, wow, I've changed. And maybe there are a lot of things we haven't actually even identified that have actually changed in us. We've, we've lived our lives, we've, we've grown in our faith, we've drawn closer to, to Jesus, and we probably haven't recognised a whole lot of incremental change that's taken place in us. But change we have. And we are different now than we were before. So one of the things to be a witness is actually be, to be able to identify the change in us so that I can give witness to it. Because I say, this is what has happened to me. This is how Jesus has changed my life. This is why this is the way I'm living now. This is what I see. This is my identity now. Because I have met Jesus. And he has changed my life. He's brought many gifts into my life. So being able to recognize the experience, the impact of the experience, it's on that basis then we're able to be witness. Now, <clears throat> how can we do this? I think firstly, it's a very good thing to reflect upon the, our own journey of faith. It may be over a long period of time. It may be right through life. It may be a fairly steady continuum through life that I've, I've had the, the blessing of growing up in a, a family where there's strong faith in the family. I've been engaged with the life of the church. I've, I've, I've walked a journey, but as I've walked that journey, I've actually seen that I have grown in, in various ways as a result of, of this journey of faith. And so perhaps I can't see a before and after but I can still see when I reflect on where I am today compared with where, where I've been in the past. Or maybe others will be able to give a, a testimony to or recognise that um, there's a little bit of light and darkness, there's a little bit of moment of transition, there's been a, a special time of grace, there's been a, a moment of conversion, there's been something that has quite specifically happened to me in such a way that my life has been reoriented, perhaps even 180 degrees, that, that I can say I was going down this path and then because of this, this and this, I'm now going down this path. I'm going a path towards the Lord, whereas before the path was perhaps away from the Lord or just skirting around the Lord, avoiding the Lord. So each one of us have a unique story. And the unique story that each one of you have is a story of grace. Each one of you have a unique story, which is a story of how the grace of God has been operative in your life. Whether it has been through some moment of conversion or some special moment of grace, 
or whether it has just been as I've walked this journey, grace has grown in my heart. Because you wouldn't be here today, you wouldn't be here singing the songs we've just sung unless the grace of God has been operative in your life in some way. You are what you are today because God has acted in your life. You have experienced God in some way. And you've come to know Jesus Christ in some way. When we um, give a witness, I think one of the very important things to say is we don't so much have to give an explanation to things. So, for, for example, somebody says to you, one of your friends, you don't go to mass, do you? It's boring. Why do you go to mass? It's, it's irrelevant. I can't get, I, I, can get, I don't get anything out of mass. Like, what would you want to go to mass for? Now, you might be tempted to say, well, let me give you a theological explanation of the significance of the mass. <laughs> And you proceed to give a, 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 a wonderful uh, explanation of the meaning of mass. Now, firstly, I don't think you don't have to do that, and secondly, I don't think it would be necessarily effective. What's more important in answering that question is to say, when I go to mass. I feel myself drawn close to Christ. When I go to Mass, I just find myself hearing God speak to me through the scriptures, through the songs, through the prayers, whatever. I just find when I go to Mass, I really sense God's presence and God speaking to me. And when I go to Mass, I know something extraordinary happens. When I go to receive Holy Communion, the Lord comes to me. I know he's there. And I have this moment when I go back after Holy Communion and it's one of the most precious moments in my life because I'm there in deep personal union with the Lord. In holy, It's a Holy Communion. It's a Holy Communion between me and the Lord. I go to Mass because it means so much to me. It nourishes my spirit. It inspires me. See what you've done there? You haven't given explanation. You haven't given theology. You've shared your experience. This is what it means to me. This is what the Mass has come to mean for me. So the witness is one where we share from our own heart rather than give explanation. So we don't have to, as I said before, we don't have to be experts in theology to be witnesses. In fact, it's far better if, if we're not, if we just speak honestly from our own hearts. See, the person who's listening to you can't say, well, let's have a theological discussion about this, then we start debating terms and notions and ideas. There's none of that. All a person can do is listen to what you're saying. And often that simple witness has, has an impact on the other person because they listen and say, wow, I never expected that. I never imagined the Mass did that. So it's, it's going to be this witnessing to the experience that is going to be most important in these kind of situations. Now, the second thing that I think is 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 important with regard to uh, to witness is that the witness that we we should have each one of us should have a witness ready to share. People might ask you about mass or ask you something else, but they're probably more likely to ask you a more general question. Why are you a Catholic? Why do you believe in God? You know, they're more like this sort of, because you're a curiosity. Because the vast majority of people in your generation don't. 
So they're really curious to say, what do you get out of it? Why do you do it? And this one, I think, is very helpful if each one of us have our own personal testimony ready to go, if you like. Now, I think what you've got to have is a two-minute testimony, a 12-minute testimony, and a 20-minute testimony. <laughs> or the 12-hour one, that's right. <laughs> Depends how the conversation runs, but you might just you might just have a situation where you have to give a very brief testimony to your own faith. And so here you look, and, and each one has to be completely personal. There's no formula. So what you do is you take time and you look at what's happened and you say, Well, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Christian, I believe in God because and then I just can give because my life was going haywire. It's in a mess. And then this happened. You can do that two minutes. Or you might find you in a conversation late at night or have a couple of cups of coffee or, or something else. And... <laughs> And the conversation turns, you know, because they got really curious about you. And and okay, this is this is on. This is not just going to be a two minute job. This is going to be longer. So again, I've prepared in my mind a little account of my life. So when the question comes, you can say, "Well, let me just say a little bit about my background and blah blah blah." So you, you actually, you know, develop it over a period of time. Or you prepare a longer one as well when there's an opportunity to give a, a longer a longer testimony. So what I think is very, very helpful and very important is that we do actually take time to prepare our own testimony, our own witness. And it's uh, something that's completely personal. So I think it's something that you that you spend time praying about and really reflecting, as I said before, reflecting life. Why am I here today? What has happened in my life to lead me to this point in my life? And so I'm able to give an account of what God has done. The other thing I'd say always, by the way, about uh, about witnessing is that the glory always belongs to the Lord, not to us so a witness is always a witness to the lord not a witness to ourselves so when we give a witness it's always what god has done the almighty has done great things for me holy is his name yeah mary's hymn of praise best captures the spirit of giving a witness so Recommend that little task to for you to uh, have a bit of time to, uh, you know, just quiet in your own time, maybe during the course of the mission school, just put down a few thoughts and prepare a little witness so you're ready when the opportunity comes to give a witness. However, there's another very important aspect to being witnesses. You see, the disciples were really had all the raw material to be able to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. They'd been with Jesus, they'd witnessed his miracles, they'd heard his teaching, they'd come to understand the meaning of his death and resurrection. So the Lord would say, well, now you're to be my witnesses, take the very ends of the earth. But he said another thing, didn't he? He said, but wait. So even though you have the raw material, even though you can maybe have put together a reflection on your own life, your own journey of faith, and you're ready to actually be able to be a witness, that's not enough. There's one more thing you need. There's one more critical factor to the task of being a witness. So the Lord said, wait. Don't go out witnessing yet. Hold it. Wait till you are clothed with power from on high. Then, then you can go out.
when you are clothed with power from on high. So this brings us to the question of the role of the Holy Spirit in being witnesses. And of course, when we go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it's all, it's all about that. It's all about the fact that yes, you're to be my witnesses, and the way you will be my witnesses is that the power of the Holy Spirit is present and active in you, giving you firstly the courage to be witnesses, being able to have that, that fire in us that enables us to step forward and not to step back when we're challenged about our faith. It's also the, the Spirit who's going to give you the words to speak, the appropriate words to say when you witness. So it's not just going to be your words. And so the Lord said that. He said that when you stand before governors and, and, and kings and stuff, don't worry about what you're to say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak. And so even though we prepare and rightly and we should prepare our own testimony so we have an idea of what we're going to say, but in the end it's going to be how the Holy Spirit inspires us in the actual presentation of, the, uh, of our testimony, of our witnessing, that is most important. It's always a, a critical thing for us to grasp and grasp fully and completely. And that is, we are not the agents of witnessing or evangelizing or of effecting conversion we have the instruments, yes, but the ultimate agent is the Holy Spirit. So, Blessed Paul VI in Evangelium Nunciandi, number 75, in the, the end of his great document on evangelization, the whole last section of the document is devoted to the role of the Holy Spirit in the work of evangelization. And the Pope says this, he says, It must be said that the Holy Spirit is a principal agent of evangelization. It is he who impels each individual to proclaim the gospel, who impels each individual to proclaim the gospel. And it is he who in the depths of conscience causes the word of salvation to be accepted and understood. So not only does the Holy Spirit move the speaker to give witness to their faith, but the Holy Spirit also moves in the heart of the person's listening. And the words that are if you like, filled with the Holy Spirit coming forth from the person who gives witness, then has a way of activating the, the other person spiritually. And it's a, it's a spirit of God then that works in the other person, bringing them to faith. Because it's not going to be a conviction that we might have by virtue of our own effort, of our own skill in presentation. But simply, we allow the Holy Spirit to use us in what we say and then it's what the Holy Spirit does in the heart of the other person that enables what happens to be fruitful and effective in their lives. And then he says, but it can equally be said that he is the goal of evangelization. So he both inspires the speaker, he works in the heart of the hearer, and he's the goal. What's that mean? The Holy Spirit then lives in the heart of the person who experiences a change in faith, a coming to know to know Christ. In other words, that that ultimately, the Christian life is a life lived in the Holy Spirit. It's a life of grace. To be a Christian is yes to believe, yes to live according to the teachings of Christ in the church, but ultimately the Christian life is the life of the Holy Spirit because God works to transform us. And so, you know, St. Paul talks about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. He talks about if, if you have made the Holy Spirit your principle of life, if you want to live your Christian life under the influence and guidance of the Holy Spirit, you'll see extraordinary fruits come forth. You'll see joy Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. In other words, what, what's happening is that as you live the Christian life and your desire to live the Christian life, God's grace transforms you. So the goal of the Christian life 
is to allow the power of the Holy Spirit to take over, to be the transforming influence, to do things in us that we can never do ourselves. And so these fruits of the Spirit, you just find yourself, you don't get up in the morning and say, today I'm going to be joyful. <laughs> don't let anybody stop me being joyful. You don't make yourself joyful. You are joyful. And you are joyful because the grace of the Holy Spirit is active in you and changing you interiorly. So it's a fruit. It just comes forth. It's not something we make happen. This is a wonder and the beauty of the Christian life. The Christian life is allowing the Holy Spirit to actually be a transforming influence in us. And that's what happens. So the Holy Spirit is the one who gives the, the person who witnesses the words to speak. The Holy Spirit moves in the heart of the hearer. And ultimately, the Holy Spirit is a goal because the Holy Spirit becomes the one who then transforms the life of the person who has come to faith. So whenever we go about witnessing, we don't do it alone. It's not our task. It's not reliant upon our own abilities. It's not us being clever enough to get the words together in the best possible way. To be a witness in the end is to allow the Holy Spirit to be the one who guides the whole process. So witnessing always is an expression of grace. So Jesus wants us to be witnesses, said to the ends of the earth. Now it's an invitation, yes. It's also a command. You are to be my witnesses. I need you to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. But it's not something we have to do by our own effort. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you'll be my witnesses. So the key thing for us is to more and more open our lives to the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. More and more. If I'm going to be a witness, then what I need to be what I need to allow is the Holy Spirit to be more and more active within my life and more and more be an effective means by which the Holy Spirit can be active in what I say and do and how I am able to influence others. So that's why Jesus told them to wait. You're to be my witnesses. But don't start without the Holy Spirit because you won't get anywhere. So I'm leading to a particular point here tonight, which I'm hoping you get. If we're going to be witnesses, and we're supposed to be, we can't do it by ourselves. We're going to do it through the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. That was Archbishop Julian Porteous with Witnessing to Christ in the Power of the Holy Spirit. For more from the Immaculata Mission School, visit cradio.org.au.